Yeah, it seems that they might have had a little Gearbuds love connection. What if, man? <laughs> Dude, is I, that what we're doing? I'm pretty sure that a couple has of one happened. two cupids over here, bro. <laughs> in some ways strangely but not strangely because you know we're just on the same page prescient about some things that we're going to get into I'm in, this, in this episode of this podcast i'm feeling pretty good man How are i'm you feeling really good we got a sunny day today it was so rainy last oh. week i felt we were a little low energy last week this and I was like this week was a fucking time warp for it, me just me too dude i was like wait i a couple times today even still like early in the morning i like had to double check wait is it friday yeah already how did how did that happen i woke up yesterday got work done i looked up and it was noon and i was like what the fuck man whoa yeah like how does four hours go by like that so i don't know um i will say something though before we get what will into you it. say i bought something what did you buy i don't know if i can tell you yet i, I don't know if i should surprise you with it or when is it going to be here I, I don't know it's shipping from far away, a faraway land. A faraway land, yeah, dude? dude. You, something Japanese? I can't say. Oh man, I can't say. I will. I will probably give you more details. Give me a fucking. I feel like if I, a, I feel like if a, I tell you, you'll probably either guess or um. Well, there are a couple it'll ruin things. The surprise. There are a couple things. There's a couple you've things been I've been working about. on. Yeah, I've been in the mix. I've been stirring the pot. You know, I've been juggling old some ideas. jazz bases and old and '80s Les Pauls. Yeah. It's neither of those. I wish it was. Oh, okay. So other than that, dude. I'm I, gl- oh man, I'm glad. I got uh, a little nervous that you bought a Les Paul without. No, God, you would, de- you, oh. dude. I would absolutely never pull a trigger on a Les Paul oh, without asking you. First. That, honestly, my heart rate. <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> I won't, I dude, I won't even let Jay buy a Les Paul without talking to you first, man. Okay. There's well, so much shit out there. Okay, so now that I've eliminated the two things that would make me most excited, perhaps at this juncture. Can you give me a ballpark and timing before I get any more details? You and know timing? What I'm like, how long am I going to have to wait to find something out about this? Oh, it... well, that's what I don't know, because uh, I purchased it last night. Oh, that very recently. Yeah. After a few soda pops, I was like, you know what? <laughs> I was like, you know what? I fucking deserve this, man. I fucking deserve this. And so, you know what? I don't care if uh, if it's going to charge me like an insane amount of shipping price and tax and reverb tax, fees, dude. but it is from reverb. And uh, that's all I got to say. All right. You know what? Thank you for the teaser. Yeah. I don't like surprises generally, but Come I'm on. very titillated right now. Maybe it'll and keep I wanna, it fresh. And I want to, and I want, I am thanking you for this because I'm hoping I, it think comes, it's a, I think it's a good, I a hope good it comes before we next to. week, but it may be two weeks. I don't know. Okay. If it's going to, it's going to come before shipping next week. Shipping sucks right now. Shipping does suck right Still, now. Still. It hasn't, it, they haven't fixed it I've been it shipping yet. stuff. The world hasn't fixed shipping Every fucking yet. week, yeah, man. It's wild. Uh, what have you sold? bunch more stuff yeah like randy stuff Anything sold fun? another thing today the one of those pickups everything just, just like little the, things i i you know i did a, a big at one point i was like i'm gonna re-up the store yeah got like 15 20 things in there it's down to i think like three now great man so the, but now it's just you know it was just all those like random odds and ends selling like hotcakes stuff and then so i'm gonna have to do another little re-up sesh. have you found that you're in with the trend of like we talked about where everything's worth a little bit more or you're at least getting your asking prices or are people like throwing you low ball offers or how's stuff selling? People still throw balls. I mean, they do that. I, mean, I got to throw balls we too. We always throw, yeah. keep, keep, keep balls yeah. up in the air. Uh, yeah, I've been getting my asking price, which is yeah. lovely. And it, or, you know, I play the game enough that I I almost always have a, a price at a point where, where it's a little bit like it's a where I can. I've still got a little wiggle. Um, I threw a ball at this thing that I bought and you got it. Well, you dude came back super aggressive and I was like, I guess I got to get this because it would have been insulting. It would have been insulting. No, it would have been insulting for me to like 
like the difference between his price and mine was like a small percentage. So I was like, all right, just, just to be nice. It. Yeah, I that's what I do. I always, I always go, I always give the counter offer with just a little bit more. So I feel like I got something, but then yeah. they still got something well, like, and then everyone's, everyone yeah. feels like they got something. But it's, it's so funny too, when it comes down to like $20 or something, if it's something you really want, you know, you're like, what the fuck dude, what's $20? It's exactly. lunch, you know, it's so. fucking lunch. It's bro. not even anymore. You know, Jeez. we haven't done yet. We haven't even introduced this dog dang podcast. Oh, we're talking on a podcast. We're going to do a little ding dong podcast. Little ding dong. And that's Gearbuds podcast episode. Got to scroll up one thirty three one one tree tree. Is it really? Yeah. Whoa. It's a big one. Wow. That just blew your mind a little bit. It did. I, I, for the first time, I was like, I forgot what episode. One hundred and thirty-three. Good. Means we're getting up there. We are getting up there in looks and age. And, <laughs> uh, I've been putting some weight back on. All right. It's great. winter. You know. It's got a warm. I dude. I was feeling chilly. So yeah. I'm Stra- just. Eating. I'm just doing the thing. <laughs> eating some some bear meat oh yeah dude i don't know would i eat a bear i don't know would you eat a bear uh, well they carry trichinosis so you have to cook it very thoroughly yeah well i mean i'm not gonna eat unhealthy bear but like if i if it was just like a situation where I someone heard, was like here's a bunch of bear jerky i heard like bear meat isn't too bad hmm. i don't know i guess i i guess I probably they say in the it. wild if bears eat like a lot of blueberries you can actually get some of that flavor in huh. in the fat yeah huh. it's really interesting well blueberry meat it's supposed to be pretty good I'm Henry. That's Dave. What's up? We're talking bear meat this week. Let's talk <laughs> Symphony of Corrections instead. Uh, here's your weekly reminder that cable or tone tubes. I got to bring this music stand a little bit closer. I'm still I'm still working out the kinks yeah. in this setup. But new, I, kinda, I feel like this is a little better. It's actually. a new addition. Yeah, I feel like it's a little uh, better feng shui this week. It is a little better. I've got to get the my height up a little higher. I think it might be the, there you go. the ish. Maybe get my brightness up a little bit. Ooh, because last time I felt like I was in like a sun tanning booth. This dang thing. Well, it was lighting your face a little bit. Oh, <sighs> was it? I was like getting a nice underlight. Yeah, to show off my beard. All right, here we go. Here's a weekly reminder: cables are tone tubes. Thank you for listening to this. Thanks for reaching out with supportive, kind words on Instagram and the places. That's always nice. We love to get the comments and yeah. the and the and the likes Keep and it the coming. kisses and. Uh, so thanks for doing that. Email us at uh, gearbudspodcast at gmail dot com. We we have an e- we have an email address because we're professional podcasters. Uh, and all, as always, follow us Instagram, Facebook, subscribe, Spotify, Apple, etc. Uh, here we go. Let's just dive right on in. Uh, Want to get this is kind of a little bit of a throwback. This, I put in the symphony because it this is related to some we've talked about this a number of times on the show and it's come up a couple couple times it's been addressed by one of the big wigs i feel like we might as well rekindle the subject a little bit for a second here uh fender fender fender's executive vice president of products justin norvell uh, explained his and fender's position on smashing guitars Oh, recently interesting he was doing some interview about something or other that executive vice presidents do I think it might have been about the Jag Stang. And he says, quote, the guitar is what I call a sonic paintbrush. It's something for an artist to use to create with. So while people look at a guitar being smashed and say that could go to someone else or whatever, in that moment and what an artist is doing and how they're feeling, if smashing encapsulates part of that, and then he trailed off, which means he's yeah. he's he, they're okay with it. It's like yeah, it's just part of the thing that you do with the thing. Uh, he was talking to ABC Audio at the time, and he said, "I was lucky enough to go to a Nirvana show, and I did see Kurt smash a guitar over one uh, of the In Utero Angels at their first show of the In Utero tour." Hmm. So 
fun. He saw he saw Kurt Cobain smash a guitar live. That's kind of neat. Yeah, that is cool. And that I would I would imagine would form one's opinion on whether or not smashing guitars is cool. Remember that guy who was trying to sell that piece of wood that came from like Jimi Hendrix's smashed guitar? Oh Didn't yeah, I send that to it you? was a burnt piece from one show that was like I think he was asking like thirty thousand. And he's like, dude, thirty thousand like for like a, the horn of like an old Strat or something. The worst part, come dude. on, bro. The grossest part of a strap. You frame that thing. <laughs> I, that's exactly what you would do, and put a little placard under it, and in a, in a shadow box. So and you know why not? I agree with the uh, the fellow there from from Fender because yeah. also it's like, hey guys, smash your guitars and come buy another Fender. Dude. Come buy another Fendies. Yeah. Nice, like the twist. Always a gearbuds slant mm-hmm. over here. Uh, this one is definitely what I would consider to be a BFI. And okay. I don't know if you heard about this or not, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to get into it. In Ohio, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that first. That this happened in Ohio recently. A 79-year-old man from a, a place called Blue Ash is accused of shooting his 50-year-old son because he would not stop playing the guitar. I think I saw the headline. I don't know if I did. did you, you send s- this to me? I don't know. I might. Sometimes, I, Dave, you know, I like to I like to keep it fresh as as we were yeah. discussing, and sometimes I, I withhold things I know we're going to talk yeah. about on the show just to get your live reaction because I think it's exciting. I feel and spicy. like I heard about this. I feel okay. Like I heard about well, this. Well, Fred Hensley Sr., 79, told police his son would not stop playing guitar. <laughs> so Hensley Sr. said he got his gun and threatened to shoot his son. I'm guessing they keep calling him Hensley Sr. because the other one is just Hensley Jr. Yeah. It's a junior senior situation, right. which is extra unfortunate. The father said he wasn't trying to hit his son, he only meant to shoot near him. Oh, man. So he pulled the trigger. Police found Second. the gun, a spent shell casing. And the guitar with apparent bullet holes during their search of the home. So he shot Fucking the guitar. Shot the guitar. Jesus, dude. Yeah, dude. And but the kid was playing it at the time. The kid, by the way, fifty years old. Okay, the guy, the man kid, was playing it. Yeah, his child, the middle-aged man. He was a child at some point. Called nine one one. The senior called nine one 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 after the shooting, but then a fight between the father and son broke out. The police report says, and uh, Headley Senior suffered injuries to his face and mouth was taken in on $60,000 bond. Jeez. The son was also taken to the hospital for the gunshot wound to his rib cage. Oh, shit. So he shot the guitar while he was holding it and playing it. 100%. Shot him while he was holding and playing it. I'm guessing it was an acoustic. I do not approve Shot of this. right through it. Oh, an acoustic? That's not going to stop anything, man. Well, I, right? I, I was hoping maybe like a you know a Les Paul or something. You know, it's got that thicker What kind it. of... Do you, wow, what a what, what kind what like what like if you shot someone playing a Les Paul, yeah, it's just like a little handgun, right? Is that going to go through the whole top cleanly and then still puncture you in the rib cage? I don't know, probably not. Like, not like definitely not like a 22. Did they right. say what kind of gun it, it doesn't was? Doesn't say what gun. a 45 might, dude. That's got some power, that'll blast apart. A but why not muscle. just shoot that? Might the- I would think it would explode with the Les Paul, but I don't know that it would like. Shoot like a clean, like hole just a clean hole it. through it. I don't, I don't, I doubt it. It's but like a fucking sniper rifle from a thousand yards. Just here's a tip too: shoot the amp. Don't shoot the, you, you know. If it, but I think it might shoot the guitar. I think it was an. I dude, I'm. I would guess it's the way must have the story. It feels like an acoustic, and it feels like a shotgun. But that's the funny part. He was playing it too loud. I, it said he wouldn't stop playing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh at this, but I know this is a BFI and I've and I've definitely chuckled more times than I was planning on when we were telling the story. I just I instantly think of like somebody playing really bad acoustic guitar and you're just like, please fucking stop. It's been going on for days. Have you ever been at a party or something like yes. that where you really wish you could just fucking take a shotgun? I mean, it's guitar? just like, you know, some you know, it's always like the guy with like, you know, maybe he's got some eyeliner on or something, he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna break out the guitar at the mm. at the party, you know. 
this gather guitar around, that I gather around, ladies, that I surreptitiously brought with myself <laughs> and have hidden behind the couch, at ready, what point waiting you, for this moment. You take it out, and then everyone's like, "Oh I'm man, we have to turn the music down." I was oh. practicing. I've I've got a sheet. I've got a full list of covers yep. tucked away. Got in Got my case. phone out and reading the lyrics. Getting the lyrics. Oh boy, dude! I oh man, that's a that's a that's a dicey situation. That guy. That is not. Uh, I do not advocate for that. That's form fucking Ohio, of, uh, bro. Gun usage. And with that, I know. Good to say my two favorite words. Get your fucking already, dude. I'm I'm trying to. These episodes have been getting quick, so freaking long, and I'm gonna do a little bit shorter of a uh, a doc today because I want to talk about something. Well, did you? Did you? Because let me just say it. Dave's doc. Dave's doc. Did Did you watch the one that we talked about? Yes. Oh, sweet. I watched it last night. I watched it perhaps yesterday. I think so. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna get off my hipster horse here in a second, and I, I think I told you this. Yeah, I've never fucking heard of Sparks before. Okay, I, I honestly can say they have they've been around for 50 years and have 25 uh, studio albums, and I I mean I I don't think I've ever heard of them. Oh man, and I really like how they open the movie because it's back like the king of all hipsters. We should say what movie what movie are we oh, talking? Oh, Sparks about? Brothers. The Sparks Brothers now available Netflix. on Netflix. Yeah. I was I was ready to spend money to see this documentary and yeah. then i got an email like here's a new netflix thing that you might like well i don't i don't recall who we had on but we had a guest on back in june when it was coming out and he was really excited oh really it's coming out sick and that's the first time i heard of it okay and um and then when you said it was it was on netflix i was like oh that's and i i, I forget the guest but um i apologize if you're listening i wonder if there's a way that we could easily i, I don't know well because they mentioned it after i talked to dave's that we were like hey is there any and he's like oh i'm really excited for this sparks documentary hmm. but yeah i can't remember anyways um, uh, I I like how they open it with Beck saying, "Sit on a tour bus long enough, and you'll and eventually they'll come up." And I'm thinking to myself, "Oh yeah, it's like if you hang out with musicians long enough, uh, like hang out and, on a, on a tour and bus." And this is why I'm like, I'm getting off my hipster high horse because I'm like, dude, I've been playing music for 20 years, like pretty seriously, and I've I've never heard of this band. Yeah. Now, that being said, other than Gearbuds, I get really excited. Yeah, other than that, other than yeah. that fellow mentioning it uh, a few months ago. That being said, I really enjoy watching something once in a while where I have no idea what the fuck I'm getting into. Oh man! And this fucking band, first of all, it's they've played every genre of music basically that's ever existed. So let me what let me story. say, I am a spark a Sparks fan. Okay, and I, think, I have. I feel some like other, you should you should really tell most of. Them. I have some of their vinyl, you know, like but so like I, I'm a fan. I have been for years. I could actually, I believe it was one of our former guests, but he and I have been friends for over a decade now. Max Crow, I believe he is the one who turned me on to Sparks mm. a long time ago because he's into weird music like yeah. that. He got me into bands like The Residents and Cardiacs okay. and Sparks. I had known I had known of Residents. I didn't know know Cardiacs or Sparks at all. Mm-hmm. And those bands, in some ways, some more directly than others, fit together. I think so. But yes, I'm a Sparks fan. I didn't. The interesting thing about this one was that I watched I watched the whole thing very intently. I was very excited about it. And I did. I decided not to take notes. Yeah, yeah. I actually want. I took light notes this time because I wanted. Yeah. I, I thought notes. you probably watched it. Yeah. No, we'll have a nice little conversation. Yeah. Um, the one thing, what I, what I want to say is that I am a fan. Like, so the, the, get that out of the way. Yeah. But there is still so much of their music that I've never listened to because mm-hmm. they've done so much different shit. It's insane. That I've kind of 
latched onto a couple different of the records and in, in years or whatever or periods i guess but never like fully explored them so yeah. there was still a whole lot i did not know about that band i really liked their well so for people who don't know it's uh two brothers ron and russell male yes, right and um they've i mean geez, they started playing music in like the mid 60s the 60s they were brothers like from southern california yeah and they were like surfer jock bros yeah and I thought that was pretty interesting because if you see him now, you're like, like "Whoa, really?" Slightly. But did you see the picture of him, like with the quarterback with picture? The football, and it was like, yeah. "Look at that handsome fella!" Yeah, no kidding. So, Strapping uh, young funny. American lads. But um, dude, I I really liked it, man. It, it's I mean, to, so they've been a band for 50 years. Uh, they've literally played. I mean, they started off doing like weird art rock, like almost. They like, started off doing kind of like pop, kind of like music. kinks. Yeah. yeah, like they're they were always they've always the thing that I can say about them is they've always been like a couple years ahead of popular music. Yeah. They've always done yeah. stuff like ahead of time and never been hugely popular for it. And except for the couple of times where they did like try to make a hit and then it was kind of lame or whatever. And people didn't really yeah. like it as much, but yeah, they've always, they're they're They've, they've kind of ridden the rock wave for 50 years and always sort of adapted a little bit ahead. And so almost like David Bowie in, in some mm. ways. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, they were definitely, um, every time you would hear them do a song in the movie, then it would be like three years later, all these like famous bands were just basically stealing Doing that, that style. Sound, and exactly. it was like, wow. Um, so I thought that was so interesting to me. And especially because they never really, I know they have a following and they could sell out shows and this and that, but they, I've, I've never heard a song on a radio or I've never totally. you know, sang along with a hook. I mean, that's, I, kind, of, that's kind of the theme of them. Mm-hmm. I think is that they've always, it's actually kind of, beautiful. they've always been, yeah, they, they've been on the cutting edge and they've done so much you know the you know hanging out with dick clark in early days like all kinds of important stuff but they never quite made it they've always been like on the edge of being this big thing but never have and to your point it's just like most people have never heard there were a couple songs that i think before us people would probably you know eras before ours it would be like oh yeah i heard that on the radio or whatever i actually want to get that half nelson record half nelson was the band before sparks they were called half nelson i don't remember who was there i didn't i never heard that story as someone's like yeah it's just like kind of a shitty name yeah but you've got this like sparks you're like these sparks brothers or right. whatever and they're like yeah they're uh, like well you're brothers you like the marks they're brothers. like definitely not the sparks <laughs> like they hated the sparks yeah they didn't want to even be the sparks brothers they wanted to just be sparks, sparks. and that's what they agreed on so th- i thought that was fucking cool um which record do you have i have i've got a look i've got uh let's see big beat i've got hello young lovers and i th- there's a third one that i can't I really want to get Kimono My House. I really Kimono, like the style. Kimono My House is awesome. That's the one like right before Big Beat. Yeah, so I really dug that kind of like Super Tramp style that they mm-hmm. kind of had going on in like the early 70s. There was a little I Super Tramp. It was very... Almost like Queen, Prague-y, but not as like Dick Queen-y, Rock. Yeah. yeah, more like, but like the, yeah, the sort of what would people, people would probably think the lamer elements of like pastoral ass, yeah, prog, yes, mm-hmm. type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and if anybody doesn't know, which I guess is probably most people statistically Ron, their brothers, Ron would do the music and Mm -hmm. often write them the songs for the most part. And then Russ would Russell would sing them. He's the lead singer. So he, and he was kind of like the pretty boy heartthrob in the beginning. And Ron has always been weird and had like a Hitler mustache for a long time. (laughs) Hitler mustache threw me off, dude. I was like, and then he he rocked that thing for years. He honestly looked great. Not many people. As great as one could look with that, but then he's gone to the He looked better than when Michael Jordan had it. That's for sure. Oh dude. Wow. (laughs) Digging deep with that bull's hat on right now. Yeah. You know, I have to. Um, Fucking, I loved it, dude. They were just, they were, they were true to themselves, and I thought that was so fucking cool. Like, and there they, are so many celebrities in this fucking documentary. Oh yeah, too, talking oh about how influential they were. Uh, dude, there was that one. The story. singer Franz Ferdinand, Beck, 
the guy from well, Squeeze. they made a whole record with Franz Ferdinand. That was which really is cool pretty too. badass yeah. and yeah. very good actually to listen to. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bjork, oh, yeah. talk, Bjork talk Bjork's in I mean so many people my Flea. favorite I think was Jason Schwartzman yeah uh, when he tells a story about because he's like this like total sparks freak he told, I, I don't remember the exact context because I didn't take very good notes but it was like he met them for some reason and they're like oh yeah blah 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 we uh, actually like we, we you know we make we have had some songs and like movies or whatever. Like, have you ever seen the movie rad and, and yeah. Jason Schwartzman's mother being Talia Shire? He goes, yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, my, my mom was in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Like, I didn't I've know Definitely that. seen rad. Uh, so that was pretty funny. Oh, as I look at my notes, I know there's another thing I mentioned. I, so this is funny coming right off of the velvet underground documentary because I, mm-hmm. I think they couldn't be any more, any more different in mm. terms of American bands and, mm-hmm. and also the presentation of the documentary. This documentary literally was just like, we're going to tell the story of every fucking year of this band's yeah. life. It it's was like two and, two and, and a half hours, hours yeah. and they, and they don't skip a record. You mm-hmm. know, it's like they go through the whole discography, yeah. the whole era, how they would, that was the, if they if they come off in a bad light, I would say it's the way that they've treated their bands throughout the years. Mm. Where they it was always the two of them, but they, they always had just, a band too. They would just kind of bail, and they like a number of times they just yeah. bailed on entire bands. I think that story with the drummer being like they just he was like I'm all excited, I'm going to be in this band for the rest of my life, and that, that morning they call him and exactly. Like, hey man, uh, we're done here. He we're like, done. Whoa. And this is like they at one point they moved to London and they mm-hmm. had a band in London. And they you know they moved around and, yeah. and had different bands and different backing bands in different places. Absolutely, but there were always sparks. Uh, but I was going to say, so like it does this, this linear documentary. I, there was the way that they ended it with the credits at the end, I think is awesome. And you should stick around for that because a lot of times it's just like roll credits and here's all the different people. And it's like, here's all the people that have been in this documentary and also like a, a, a nice little fact about them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was, um, I would, I thought it was just so interesting. And I, I will say like, they, I don't think they ever did drugs or like partied. Really, it didn't seem like. Yeah, um, I think they drank, but it doesn't seem like they were. ever They never really showed them partiers, with like beers or talked right. about them being like, oh, they were wasted at this show. Like they were very like music was the only thing they had. Their number one motivator. For it was sure. awesome. I mean, it was it was refreshing to see that actually in a documentary because everyone I've watched, it's like, oh, the guy got too wasted and like couldn't mm-hmm. do this and that. Um, They've never done anything apart either. Like even Donald uh, uh, Becker, you know, Walter Becker and Donald Fagan, they they like they had solo records and stuff, sure. but I've never seen anything from either of the male brothers. that yeah. wasn't just like sparks. It's just amazing. Actually. It's like, and the fact that they're brothers, like you never really heard about them fighting really. Um, at least I didn't in the documentary, you know, no, they were, and they're always together and like funny and, and always yeah. yes. Anding each other. Like they were, right. they're always like in each other's corner. It was like a and, bit. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. It was it really, was, really cool, man. But the, the, but the presentation of the documentary was way more sort of straightforward and mm-hmm. like, intentionally funny whereas the last that last velvets documentary which i was tr- trying to get to before i forgot uh was w- just this like art piece yes this was more Visually just stunning. like uh here is a really clear telling of th- these two brothers story i and i liked that you know i when i look at when i watch these docs every week i get excited because i'm like i wonder what type of documentary this is going to mm. be is it is it the linear one i love when they do in these linear ones when they recreate it with the little cute cartoons Oh, dude! The little yeah, cartoon totally characters little they made of the guys—they're the cutest, man. And I, every time they went to that, I was just like, "That is so funny!" Like, well, it's, it's a great Wright, way to tell the story. Done, he's yeah. directed a ton of awesome right. stuff, uh, including like Marvel and all kinds of mm-hmm. big stuff. Yeah, he's big just director. a huge Sparks fan. I really enjoyed it, man. Um, me too. It was—it was, too, it was long. It didn't feel that long. To no, me, though. I was—I was on board for the whole ride. I was too. Yeah, I was too. I didn't get bored of it. Um, I don't even think I got up 
the entire thing. I just Did you didn't even go it. wee-wees or didn't get even, any popcorns? I, I held it. Dude, dude, before we leave Dave Docs, I want to say I've I've been I've been going back to the theater again because they do cheap Tuesday movies and really? I'm just going on Tuesdays now. What theater do you go to? The one on Western right here. Oh, yeah? And uh, I now Did you I watch saw anything? The French Dispatch, which oh, is the new Wes Anderson yeah, film. Was it? it was very good. Really? I loved it. Uh, that was very entertaining. I saw Dune. Oh, I heard that's very good. For a second time, because I watched it on HBO Max. I was like, bruh, I got to see this. I'm tempted, big to, I'm tempted to click you the should, play button on dude, that Dude, you should. It's, it's, I know I, you're not the sci-fi boy, but no, I really like. it. I saw the trailer for it, not knowing it was Dune, and I was like, what is this? This looks dude, good. Dude, Tim Shams is great. He's, yeah. He was in, also in, great in French Dispatch, it turns out. I didn't oh, really? realize he was yeah. in that. It's funny when you watch movies like that, and then you see two people. Two Tim Shams back yeah. to back, and then the week before, I saw the new Bond film. Oh, yeah. I heard that was pretty good. Nah, yeah. I fell asleep. Oh, I don't oops. really like it that much. That's, that's I'm not that's a huge Bond guy either. I'm, I, I've seen them all, but I wouldn't say that. I'm, I, actually, I don't know that I've seen them all. I've seen most of them. Who's the best Bond, do you think? I, dude, Daniel Craig. Yeah. I, that's for me. He's the most believable, I think. I mean, everyone would say Sean Connery. There are Roger Moore fans out there. George Lazenby had one. Pierce? Uh, P, uh, Pierce was our, our childhood and adolescence. Right. That's kind of like what he, I think I think of. of him when I think of bond because of just, goldeneye yeah exactly honestly. yeah best video game ever uh, and uh which honestly hasn't aged that well unfortunately mm. all n64 games not so great we're going way like doubly <laughs> off topic right here and we were gonna keep this short too have right? not aged well generally but in it like even still i just don't goldeneye isn't good because it's before they went to the different types of controls where you can control where you look as well. Yeah. So it's like right. the camera's only just like locked in with yeah. the gun and it's just, I just, I don't like it's it. It's another level. Well, you can't compare, you know, but, but how many nights did you yeah. stay up till five in the morning with your buddies playing? I that? would play that. Yeah. I mean, I see the thing is if I'm going N64 these days, give me Mario Kart, bro. Mario Kart, Mario Kart 64 yeah, all, yeah. all day every day. Or, well, here's my little, here's my little wild card. Wave Race 64. I have not played it. That game is it's super fun. Game? It's a jet ski. It, dude, it is very much a jet ski game. I and mean, that game fucking rules. One of my favorite racing games of all time. And Ooh. that one, they've done sequels and stuff. None of them were as good as yeah. the original Wave Race 64. Here, heard it here first, folks. All right. So really? after that, oh, we're going to get back to this documentary about Sparks. Oh, yeah. Fucking awesome, so man. Check them out. What's your what's your voltage rating on this one? I gave it 9 out of 10 Hitler mustaches. Oh, wowzers. I had to. Gotta I mean, go, there oh, was man. just, it was too easy. It was it was brought up a lot, but also, I mean, they did they did lean into the Charlie Chaplin thing, but yeah. Yeah, it's hard not to see Hitler it with was, that mustache, I mean, it, man. It, for some reason, he pulled it off, and I didn't feel like it wasn't like offensive. I didn't feel offended by no. it. No. It's, it is, it, it was you do have to think about it, though. You're like, oh, yeah. Well, everybody did. I mean, it wasn't like they nobody it would have been weirder if they didn't mention Dude, it that just reminded me of, of that paul mccartney video oh that was so cool i wrote that down i i forgot yeah i don't even know what song it was but he made a music video for some song where he just like portrayed a bunch of characters throughout it's the history. song coming up by paul mccartney nice dude. google that video and check the it video out. for that he portrays a bunch of just characters of that he re, he plays all these people but like mm-hmm. it's just like characters that he wildly respects yeah and you know like buddy holly and elvis and all these people like that and he dresses up as ron male yep as one of them it's wild and and i like when his brother in the movie was like well i guess i respect him now yeah i'm like exactly. oh it took paul mccartney imitating Dressing you in a music up. video exactly that was so cool man because you just, know it's not hitler that he's dressing up as it's definitely clearly right. Even the way that he like looks at the cameras, because that was the other thing, I guess, before we leave, mm-hmm. if we can get to gear spotting a little bit. He would play different yeah. Roland keyboards, but yeah. would 
have a sign over that said Ronald. Ronald. Yeah, I thought that was funny. It showed it him like taping it on there for funny. those rehearsals. I will mention one thing that blew my fucking yeah. mind. In the 2000s, when they got back together, um, well, Which they is were my always together. Sparks, by the way. 2000s the, era? Mid 2000s. It was cool. Sparks. It was almost like There's heavy. heavy shit. Yeah. They, were, they were friends with Faith No More, and that, that right. definitely. Yeah, they should. Little off. Mike Patton shout out yeah. in there. Um, they performed 21 albums in 21 days. Oh straight. my fucking God. Who the fuck does that, dude? They, at that point, had released 21 records. Yep. And relearned. Every song of every, every album. Every song. And then w- one night a week just kept on going. I thought it was every day. It was. I thought it was for 21 days. They straight. did, but for tw- 21 nights. Th- I think they might have oh. taken one or two breaks okay. in there. I thought it was way, like, but it was but close still, enough. That's wild, dude. Basically, for a month straight, they played 21 fucking records and yeah. had to learn. Can you imagine not being those two guys, the other members of this newer band, having to learn a record and then just like forget it for the next one right away i would that sounds like actual torture well i liked when like somebody was like well i was i was like getting really tired on stage and then i looked in the singers like bouncing around and they're like all right i gotta sack up here man this there are people that went to every one of those oh i was i was saying that to manny i was like i bet you that like people went every single night like there there was there were a couple they showed one in the documentary but there i mean yeah a hundred percent but i don't think a band's ever done that before i don't and and to have that to much have material, that much material, holy shit! That's got to be. I mean, like, just quick guess. What over two hundred songs? I think they said they have got done over two hundred and seventy songs or something like yeah. that. Because and their encores were the fucking B sides every night, <laughs> dude. It's a, yeah. so impressive, man. And they would also play. I think it was Hello Young Lovers, which is the one like one of the records I really like. I think they would do two sets each night. That's the way it worked. Mm-hmm. They'd play Hello Young Lovers and also one of their 21 records in order but then yeah again like you've just got to learn a whole record every day to play that yeah. shit and then never do it again what a fucking significant <laughs> amount of time that must i take. mean that's almost more of just like a, an art exhibit than an actual show at that point you know wow like, it's it's wild yeah i would so. have fucking have loved to be able to go see like you know like your like the kimono my house record or whatever like one of those and then also hello young lovers like yeah God, i wish i would have been able to go see that shit i don't i, I, f- I don't remember if they it. said where they did it, if it was in like a new york it was or in san francisco, san francisco maybe i don't actually um what is your arbitrary rating for the for the film it was very good as a I would fan give it, as, i would say eight pencil mustaches okay i really liked it i'm a fan they did a great job it was almost i kind of I think I prefer ones that lean documentaries that lean more towards the not art side of things, but like if I had to, mm. I, again, I, I keep going back. Like I feel like watching the, the velvets one yeah. two weeks ago and this one completely different. We're polar sort of approaches mm-hmm. to absolutely American rock and roll documentary filmmaking. Absolutely. And I think I would probably lean more towards the velvet side of appreciation. Mm-hmm. I like a little more mystery left with it because that's the, one of the cool things about sparks. Yeah. And I think they even sort of touch on this thematically is that like you didn't know everything about them before. So now it's almost like the documentary is kind of spoiling that in some ways. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Like you, I, I do like a little extra mystique yeah. in my rock and roll. I like the facts approach. and the minutia and all the behind the scenes shit. Mm-hmm. Obviously we make a fucking podcast about this. Stuff, <laughs> yeah, but right. I think I kind of prefer a little bit more of the like, mystical yeah. angle in yeah. some ways yeah i like i think there's good things in both but yeah i agree sometimes it was kind of a nice diversion from the one from the velvets one last week because that was so artsy and like you have to kind of focus on like what's going on and mm-hmm. like the music and the sounds and all the visuals and then this was just a story of these of these two exactly. brothers so it was very really cool. like, wonderfully executed yeah, and absolutely. they've got an interesting story where they don't have it was to, not like, boring it all up. up no it wasn't mm-hmm. i think yeah i just if i had to 
if, I, sure. if we're talking about degree, because I liked it, but if we're talking about degrees of favoritism, types of types of, docs. I would say Velvets would have gotten a nine out of me, whereas this one's a right. strong eight. Cool, sick. Let's get into future gear, Let's buddy, it, buds, buds, boys. And oh, big news this week! This could fall under BFI or GFI if we were going to do it in the other segments. That Fender announced their acquisition of PreSonus. Interesting. And for those who don't know, PreSonus has been around for over 25 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, PreSonus Audio Electronics, a Baton Rouge, Louisiana company, didn't know that until reading about this. Did not know that. They're a big time interface and mixer and recording software making company. And Fender now owns them. Where before Fender bottom, what was your opinion of PreSonus? Is it like more beginner stuff? Is it like very advanced? I like PreSonus generally. I've owned a couple pieces of their gear. One of my interfaces that I did a bunch of demos with back in Volcanoes days. You might have even been involved in maybe at some point in that. I had was a PreSonus Fireface, I believe, was the mm-hmm. one that I had. They they were sort of I would I would in terms of like price and quality, I would mm-hmm. have put them somewhere in or near the focus right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little bit higher end than that. They mm-hmm. also make some very high end stuff, mm-hmm. and also uh, no are known for their what is oh geez what is it called? It's a it's a digital mixer that has you know so you'd get that in place of like a Mackie like say oh I've got a band and I want to like rehearse and do stuff out you're in like send all through a mixer at the and, and do a PA that also has. USB, so it just like also records cool. all of it to That's your computer sweet. and shit, or on the, the machine itself. That's People right. really like those, and then they also make, I believe it's called, and I've never used this, but I believe it's called Studio One, which is their DAW software mm. that people I think I've heard of it. People yeah. really like that stuff. So cool. Fender now owns them. Guitar Boys owns all that, cool. and I and and mm. so at first I was like, cool, neat, but then quickly I got a little worried, Dave, mm. because. We've kind of been down this road before, mm-hmm. my friend. And mm-hmm. that's with another little brand called Gibson Guitars. Mm-hmm. And Gibson, they kind of they went overboard with that kind of stuff. They bought Logitech. They bought like right. weird, like they made studio monitors. And, and it, that was this is like the main era when Gibson kind of went off the rails and had to reset and get a new CEO, the guy from Levi Jeans Companies and mm-hmm. stuff. I Fender has always been the kind of the one that we've been like excited that they're they're not making silly decisions and acquisitions and I'm a I'm a little nervous that Fender is going to try going down the like we're a we're a company that makes entertainment equipment versus a company that makes sweet ass guitars and basses. Fair point. Does Fender own Korg? Do you know? No, they do not. There, is Korg on their own? Korg used to be part of the Korg Marshall Vox oh, maybe that's, conglomerate. Oh, maybe Marshall. And I believe that got split up also. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, I mean, I guess the owners wouldn't have sold it unless they had some kind of upside to see. Totally. It, right? Did they have a press release or anything like that? There's all sorts of press releases. That's how I heard about this. Did they mention like why or what they plan on doing? Yeah, there's a lot of jargon and it's all just, <laughs> it's uh, We are our, excited to partner with this. Our team thing. share the same passion for music, the same commitment to innovation, and the same desire to inspire and equip current and future generations of artists. Uh, the one thing that I will notice is that the legal counsel to FMIC, Fender Musical Instrument, company uh gibson dunn and crutcher llp so fenders lawyers are gibson whoa dunn and crutcher llp but still you know what i'm saying 
It's just like a like the Lincoln having a Secretarium Kennedy. We talk about this stuff yeah, a lot. We talked about that last week. Some more future gear to get into hey, here. Yo. This one I'm actually excited about because it's a thing I might buy. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, I noticed this on another. I will I will add a sponsored reverb listing for their new Earthquaker devices pedal that they're they're pushing on there, which is called the Hyzumitis. His 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 I'm not sure. God bless I don't. You. I don't <laughs> thank you. Uh, which is Earthquaker device making a fuzz pedal in conjunction with the band Boris. Oh yeah, dude. Whoa yeah. Hi Hyzumitis Hyzumitis. I'm not sure how to say it. I should look into that. Uh, I, they a couple things to mention about it. It's uh, basically a clone of the specific Elk bm sustain our 70s fuzz that uh boris's guitarist wata uses mm. we don't she doesn't come up enough in conversations when we talk about les paul customs and black beauties almost no one looks as badass as uh wata does with the black beauty so nice. just need to make sure i mention that uh, but she uses a particular elk bm sustainer fuzz it's basically a clone of that but like a sort of raw or edgier earthquaker devices take on it dope dude Unfortunately, they did this really cool version where the the pedal itself is typically purple, but they did this black one that com- that came with an EP where they used this pedal for the whole fucking thing, and it sold out by the yeah. time I even looked. So right. I was pretty fucking bummed out about that because as I do own some Boris vinyl, I do like Earthquaker devices, and I do like fuzz pedals. There's a chance <laughs> I would have bought it. Uh, this idea of limited things might come up a little bit later. Okay, but that's fine. Uh, there's only 500 of them. Uh, I didn't hear about it until too late. Uh, but I will mention that it's called Reincarnation Rose, and they did a music video for it where they like use the pedal a lot and stuff, and it sounds fucking awesome. And now I think every single product should have an accompanying song that it just like is like a badass. It's a really cool making idea. A fucking music video and a song that like highlights it. And I love that. Sells the shit off is, of it. Was the vinyl like a new uh, album or is it a reissue or something? No, it's new. Them making a fucking vi- record with this pedal, right? So it's new, dude. It's oh, fucking wow. it's fucking them. It's them doing some shit with Earthquaker devices with Boris. That's so cool. And the pedal sounds fucking awesome. I I, I it's very rare that I, there's a I've never played that particular circuit. It, there's very rare that I find out about a new old fuzz that I haven't tried out or built I'm, one or whatever. I'm trying to think of what other like what is the the most popular Earthquaker pedal? I'm trying to think because I've I've heard of what them. What is the most popular? Do you I have would any? say I don't have any currently. Uh maybe the the hoof or the clover, the, some of their early fuzz pedals. Yeah. There's the noise, the bit commanders. Okay. One that people really now like. Now I'm starting the to rainbow see machine is one I know people use a lot. I uh, the last one that I had was the, um, it was the big data corruptor. Yeah, it was a big that's, I've seen fuzzy that. boy yep. with synthy stuff. Wow, so this crazy pedal. Cool. That's one that I maybe wish I still had. So are you gonna order a new one, or you think you're gonna try to? Find I think one? I might try to get one, dude. Yeah, yeah. I think you should. Just do it. So uh, check it out. Reincarnation Rose. Hizumitas. Hizumitas. I don't know how to fucking say it. I should learn. It's a couple more new products before we get to the main big story here. And those are both signature guitars from Gibson Guitars. Uh, Jim James. Yim Yames has a signature 335. Uh, If you don't know, he's the man from My Morning Jacket. Yeah. Right. And I'm excited about this because his main... 335 that he plays is a 70s 335 mm-hmm. just like mine is yep. and uh it, you know it's funny to see these guitars getting for me getting uh reissues because 
like this, but his particular three thirty-five-fives. Uh, he played was uh, Walnut, one of those Walnut yeah, ones. That's what I thought. And those were kind of like the least desirable three thirty-fives for a long time. Yeah. And now it's getting reissued for okay. thousands of dollars. <laughs> um, it's got the Jim James logo on the truss rod cover. It's Walnut. Uh, it's got an owl emblem on the back of the headstock, which I think has something to do with him. It's kind of cool. Comes with a custom Jim James owl hard shell case. The thing that I was looking, I was trying to actually look at the specs because you know I like those skinny neck three thirty fives. They changed the spec from like sixty eight to or sixty five to nineteen seventy eight. I think is yeah, one skinny. And that's the skinnier necks. And it doesn't seem like it seems like it's skinnier than like the one eleven sixteenths, but it's not quite as skinny is the one that i have so i don't know if i like it as much but dude the guitar looks fucking sick and i do like those those walnut 335s sometimes they can kind of have that sticky boy feeling where it's like the it feels like there's poly even though it's a nitro just has to kind of wear off uh on the on the even on the 70 no i mean on the old ones yeah. which is i'm hoping that they didn't do on this one it does i remember it has a witch hat Ooh. knobs as well which you know i've got that on mine i like that well look. Um, i like the witchies and for what 335s are going for right now i think buying a new one might be your best bet because so expensive. i almost sent you one the other day that was uh it was what year is yours 74 74 i saw it was like a 72 and it was like eight thousand mm. dollars and i was like cool I'm not, I'm not even gonna send this to henry because he's I'm gonna we'll, be like oh. maybe i should sell mine but i won't because i love the <laughs> no, guitar more than awesome. anything although honestly it's sitting out right now the, the les paul's been getting all the attention this week yeah got to do it sometimes speaking of last paul's dave there's Love another him. gibson can't have enough and this is i'm bringing up for a specific reason because we've talked about it on the podcast before but we have and we haven't because there is another signature adam jones 1979 last paul custom in antique silver burst coming out how many issues of that guitar are there i'm glad you recall that there was another issue there's many issues well there was one like, and right? then i man i should have looked it up again but there wasn't didn't it get stolen? Didn't like yeah. a box, a whole Every, box truck of them a whole get box of like twenty of them got stolen, and they didn't make that many to begin with. No, and that's what's funny because I, and I think those were new ones. And whenever I see a new one for sale, my brain instantly goes, "I wonder if it was one of the stolen ones." So check it out. That was twenty twenty. Now in twenty twenty one, there's a V two. This time, so I looked it up. This time there were I think six thousand dollars custom shop. Okay, that seems like it's actually in the middle to low end. For yeah, those. I thought those were like ten grand. Well, the new ones are. Yeah. And these ones are Murphy Lab. They're Ooh, aged. Beauty. So uh, this limited edition uh, is a new take on what Adam calls one of my favorite guitars of all time, his Silver Burst 1979 Les Paul Custom. Uh, astute listeners will recall that it's hard to date exactly, but my Les Paul is either a 78 or 79. It's, not, it's unclear. All, this one, which uh, blah, 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 Murphy Lab we already talked about, also features custom artwork designed by artist Corrine Fought on the rear of the headstock. Mm. There's even a headstock mirror included, as there was in the previous, just like Adam's. Only 79 of these guitars are made. I've noticed, I looked on Reverb, they're already being listed up in the upwards in the $25,000 region. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. For a $10,000 guitar that, you know, <laughs> you should get. You know, uh, but these are pre-orders, new. right? Pre-orders. Yeah. Yeah. Pre-orders. That means they're going to be probably worth just as much on the secondhand market. So, Dude, there are a couple of things I want to talk about this year. Yeah. First of all, I noticed that just like mine, and which is a thing that has been poo-pooed upon for years... The fact that this has a three-piece maple neck, hmm. just like my Les Paul. People didn't like that Gibson went away from the solid mahogany neck right. for a long time. They went to the three-piece maple neck, which both of my old Gibson electrics have, and I fucking love. Uh, 
this one also has that. So now they're now they're now charging ten thousand dollars for new guitars that have this feature that were like shat upon yes. in all the forums for decades. Full circle. Yep. Sounds which about is right. crazy to me because yeah. it's obvious to me that people are just shatting upon things on the internet without actually knowing any facts. Which who's ever heard of that, Dave? Let's spit some facts. Jeez. Dude. So there's that I want to mention. Also, I noticed that it has the and I've never done this on a Les Paul, but I want to the reverse mounted neck pickup. Oh, like instead of having the poles up near yep. f- the top flipped around. Didn't to the, the Greeny have that? Greeny has that. Yeah. It was a thing people do. I think supposedly the story is that Peter Green just like accidentally did right. that and was and too lazy like, oh. to flip it around, but yeah. then it became a thing. I've noticed that this guitar has that and I kind of want to try it, Dave. I wonder, I mean, we kind of talked about it, but like how different does it really make it sound? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like theoretically, if it's, I mean, if it's the same on both sides, just like you know, the way it's, it's structured mm-hmm. the way it's built, if you flipped it around, it technically shouldn't really do anything. But then you have the idea of like, well, some of the, you know, the poles might be more worn on one side or, you know, I don't know. I think that, yeah, the exposed coils are doing something sort of different. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if it, having them exposed in that small, the space differential would affect the magnetic pole in some way. Dude, I, I don't know. So no, I kind of want to try it. Yeah. It's just a very difficult thing to do a solid AB on. Do you have to add like a longer lead wire to? Hopefully there's a, there's still enough lead in there. To just flip it and not have to like unsort it around. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I would definitely wouldn't do that. No. No. You know, they never, you can do it. I've done it. They, they do try to say you should avoid ever having to extend the lead on a, mm. on a guitar pickup. I could see that. So. Yeah, I don't know. Then that takes us to the final thing that I wanted to talk about, Dave, and that is this idea. We we talk about it in thematically a lot on okay. this show, but I think that the the way that I want to talk about it this week, it, we're t- we talk about markets a lot and what how expensive things are. Very expensive. I want to talk about the idea of instruments as an investment. Okay. Do you, Dave, mm. before we get into any of this, think it is a good idea? To treat instruments as investments. No. Why not? Because instruments should be played. And let, I think let, me, dr- let me well, let me add. And you can still play in this in this hypothetical scenario scenario we've got here. You can still play your investments. You can to a certain extent, but depending on like how how badly like you know if you're a if you're an active musician. You know, sure. Do you right. play your investment at, at practice five nights a week and then tour with it and I get it beat that. up and maybe lose it? But, you know, we kind of talked about that because we talked about like, OK, well, there's people who can go buy a half a million dollar Les Paul and then just hanging on a wall because they can. And that drives the market up and it kind of fucks up the whole mm-hmm. system, you know. So, I mean, deep down, I'm against it, but there's really no avoiding it either. Like things are always just going to be coming up worth more money like over time right you bring up a lot of interesting points dave and this is something that i've been thinking about a lot recently i just want to i did a little research i want i there are some articles that have been written specifically about you know guitars as investments and we'll talk about some things from that but really i wanted to make sure that we kind of i wanted to get like what did i wanted to get deeper into the question what is an investment even yeah something that i mean is going to gain money over time that is that is one of what Webster's I would, what I have, what I have found to be eight agreed upon facets of what makes something an investment. So basically, I want to talk a little bit about this. We're going to go through these eight. After going through them, I want you to decide if you even think it's possible to treat 
instruments as an investment. Okay, great. So this is an interesting story that I came across. In 1961, the Italian artist Piero Menzoni, Piero Menzoni hey. sold a batch of serial-numbered cans of his excrement. That's shit, Dave. That's, that's poo-poo. Which he titled Merda di Artista, translated as artist's, artist's shit. All 90 of the 30-gram cans were quickly scooped up by patrons and collectors of avant-garde <laughs> artwork. The selling price was tied by weight to the price of gold. So basically it was like he was valuing his shit at the same price as gold. Most right. of the established art world saw the whole thing as a joke. Some people viewed it as a critique of the art market and consumerism. Yeah. Surely, you know, dude dude put his poop in a can. Like it's got to be some so- mock- and sold it. mockery happening. Although each example sold for about $34 at the time, over the, over the years they have proved to be a decent investment with single cans now fetching as much as $132,000. So there is even some, there's in reading about this, there's even some question of whether or not he actually ever even shit in them or like where it came from, you know, all Because they're sealed stuff. cans. They're sealed cans. Right. Could uh, be beans in there. It's all, it's all about beans. I would have just so put beans in there. So I hope that it, this, this exemplary story kind of brings to mind the idea of what even... Well, what is investing? Can what, I just comment is, on, is on that? I mean, that's that's the weird like avant-garde mm-hmm. art world, right? Like instruments is different. Can full of shit. Well, it's different. How is it different, Dave? Let's get into it. Yeah. What What is investing? It's something where the goods are fairly valued. Underlying value will increase over time. So there's 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 a widget and it gets fairly valued. And then over time that increases. That's two. Three is diversified. Four. It, it diversifies you as an investor. Five, it's liquid, meaning you can get some fucking money out of that thing. Six, it generates income. This is an interesting one. Mm. Seven, you personally as an investor understand the product and the risks involved with it. And then eight, and this is the one that I think sort of opened my eyes the most in thinking about investing in instruments as a strategy it's a regulated or protected market. Mm-hmm. Let's start there, Dave. Is there any regulation or protection involved in buying guitars as investments at this point, do you think? No. No way. At all? No. I mean, yeah. So once I got to that one, now that like we're talking about this, I was like, man, that one just, that's really close to like speculation, which is like Bitcoin and yeah, blockchain. There's there's zero regulation yeah, exactly. happening in that right now. Look, I mean, if, if we want to just break it down to instruments, there's no way that instruments are gonna they're gonna lose money over time. In my opinion, in my lifetime. Okay, I can tell you a way. Huh. All the fucking boomers die that are propping, you know, vintage guitars up to what they are. They right. all die, or they all get all the ones that they want. Then th- that market's gonna come back down again because the people that, you know. Part of it is tied to the fact that people people really like fifties Les Pauls because when they re, when they put out the nineteen sixty eight Les Paul again they weren't as good. The people that remember that are dying, and, yeah. And like the people and and so they remember that happening. They also remember that oh, when I was a kid, I remember seeing Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck and Keith Richards and all these guys go back and play those old ones because the new ones that came out weren't as good. 
that general those the people who that happened to are all going to be fucking gone right but for that argument wouldn't you say that the value of those carries on i mean if you're if your son gets it, he's going to look up the price of what they're worth. So it's just going to keep going. Just because something was priced a certain way at a certain time does not mean that that is what it is priced at now. Well, it's it's only worth whoever will pay for it, I suppose. And that's the that's a regu- that's when we're talking about right. investment. I mean, I hope a regulated look, market man, would protect against that. I hope you know uh, pre CBS vendors go back down to the two thousand dollar range. But I don't I don't ever think that's dude. Here's that. the other thing I was that was thinking about that because they play amazing. I mean, that's kind of the that's the reason I like mine. You know, that's why the people there. Yeah, there there are always good guitars in any year, but more often than not, those guitars are the good ones. Here's the thing, though. Like okay, yeah, those those Les Pauls we're talking about, those will probably hold some value because they only made less than two thousand of them, and yeah. there are probably even less than a thousand that still exist. They made hundreds of thousands of Strats in the sixties, mm-hmm. so it's for for that part of the argument, like there is no rarity. There are a lot of old Strats out there still. Sure. So the fact that those guitars are now even in the like. 40, I saw 50, I saw an original Dakota range. Red sixty four Strat. The guy wanted like forty five thousand dollars for it. It's, there there were a lot of that guitar made. Yeah. So there there are that guitar might even sell for that. But you know, I mean, that's, well, that's what, what about the the idea of like you know over time? Okay, let's say half of them were either destroyed or refinished, which yeah. did, you know kills the value. I mean, you could argue the original r- nice condition ones you know are fewer and far between, right? That's always going to happen by the way time works, for sure. You know, but do you think they'll? Do you think guitars will drop in value one day? I do. Yeah, the more that I've I've looked at this, that's interesting. I think that we're in a bubble right now, Mm -hmm. and that bubble will contract to a certain level. I don't think it'll. I hope it does. I don't think it's ever fully going to be like you know fucking old baseball cards or something where they really are have become (laughs) worthless. Right. Right. But because again, this is to come back to the idea of, of value. There is, and this is kind of like the Fender thing we we're talking about. These are the paintbrushes that musicians use. So there is always intrinsic value in, in, in an instrument that's well made because it helps someone accomplish something. It's a tool. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's it's not a it's not a baseball card that just like looks cool to represent a moment in time because it was a fad or something like. There is always that intrinsic value to a well made instrument mm-hmm. that isn't available in all other markets. But um, yeah, it's. Well, we, we've been talking about the market a lot. I think there's, in order for an investment to be a sound investment, one of the other tenants is that the underlying value underlying value will increase over time. And this is the other thing is that we're, we've been talking about is that I just don't think that for most, there are, except there are always exceptions because right. of rarity, but I think with most instruments, most guitars is what we're mostly talking about. I don't think that they will all increase over time well because okay and because the market's not regulated who's to say what something's actually worth right so mm-hmm. um i don't know i mean we can you know they make those books right that say like what is a 64 stratocaster worth in dakota that's Red? A, that's an excellent point is that a, their form of like trying to regulate the market because that is um but you know so then i go well who who gets to decide because if you look i wouldn't say it's like the spend, george groon book but he right. gets to decide because he also has a, a store that has <laughs> right. sold most of them you know? yeah exactly yeah, that's a really interesting idea, man. Um, I mean, I would also say, like, don't buy a $50,000 Les Paul and expect it to go up, like, you know, a huge percentage over the course of 10 or 20 years. But if you get it for the right price, of course it's going to be worth more money. Yeah, and I and those deals will still happen, but not as frequently as they used to. Mm-hmm. And they require 
someone in order for that investment to be an actual investment, it's not like you're fucking, you know, your whatever, whatever your bond account or your CDs that you have, you can't just go cash out a guitar. Right. You have to have someone who is willing to buy that guitar. Yeah. And that if it's going to, if you need to do that quickly, you're going to go to price. like one of the, one of the big guys like Groons or Norms or hammer you on change. Price, yeah. And because they're a business, they have to hammer you on price. Yeah. Otherwise it would be, it would not make sense for them to have the instrument. So your investment has to build in whatever, if, if you need to quickly flip it, mm-hmm. whatever percentage that looks like yep. into how much you paid for it originally. Cause if you're paying CME that I was talking to some, they they've sold one of their bursts at like wow. a quarter of a million dollars. And you know, I don't think that that guitar is going to be worth much more than that. Yeah, I would agree with that. So that's, you have to just want to like have that guitar and play mm-hmm. it. And you know, and that's okay. I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with that, but as long as it wasn't bought as like, I'm, this is an investment for me, which is what we're talking about right, right now. I don't think that that's a smart one. I don't. Yeah. Well, and you could go as far to argue. I mean, we're talking about vintage instruments, you know, uh, do we think, you know, newer instruments like brand something brand new off the rack that that new coral orange or whatever, the peach, uh, jazz master Pacific peach. Thank you. That, you know, would you buy that as an investment? I, no, no, absolutely. No not. way. Now what's funny is though, I will say just in recent, you know, because we're in this bubble, I have seen brand new instruments sell for more than they were worth when they first, even the Vintera totally. series. I saw those listed for eight ninety nine, and now they're going for like twelve, thirteen. And that, and that's I, you're hundred percent right. That has happened. There's but been I'm not ma- saying manufacturing I would buy woes. that as an investment. That's because of a global Just pandemic the weird, and the some weird, weird supply shit yeah. that we've got going on for right sure. now. So I agree. Yeah, like it's it was like the people who who were buying up you know pallets full of uh, hand sanitizer at the beginning of the pandemic right. and then selling them for several hundred dollars on Amazon. Like right. yeah, you're taking advantage of a certain market fluctuation, but that doesn't mean that it's still a good investment. That just means you yeah a limited amount of people were able to flip make some money sure. on something. Well, I, you know, look, I hope uh, the market gets flooded with these guitars again. You know, I think that'd be great. I do think that that's going to happen within a couple of years. Uh, but it's still going to be a couple of years out. So if you, I guess if you have the money to make some short term money right now, I think it's possible where you yeah. could buy up some stuff and then quickly flip. But I don't know because like I, I bought that um, Chase Bliss ZVEX uh, Bliss Factory. That mm-hmm. was one of the uh, pedal movie signature pedals. Mm-hmm. And I got this. They did two runs of that. One was silver. One was black. I got the black one. Right after the silver one, people were instantly the same thing listing. You know, the pedal was say like four hundred bucks. They're instantly listing it for a thousand, two thousand, yeah. several thousand dollars. I love that pedal, by the way. It's oh, it's an incredible! So it's maybe the best fuzz that's, pedal see, ever. See, the pedal thing is really interesting because that's a little different than a guitar, right? Because the pedal makes a specific sound, and mm-hmm. you can't recreate that with anything else. You could go build a parts Stratocaster if you wanted to, and essentially say I could get it really damn close to what yeah. a sixty-four might sound like, or whatever. Put some money into it. But that's a whole nother topic, the parts thing. But a pedal, if the guy stops making them, he's like, dude, we made 30 of these things and that's it. Well, here's the thing, dude, that, that this is kind of the point. They're not worth that much. Like they're, I think if I were to list mine right now, I would probably just like make back the money that I spent on it. You know, there would be zero profit to be had, especially if you're doing it on reverb where, you know, you're taking fees and tax yeah. and all that sort of shit. Right. So I think that we thought that there was going to be this, very limited uh, availability, which there is a limited supply, but it's still 
not it does not seem like there is much more than what the actual demand for that thing was because yeah like i think it's cool but it's still a fucking expensive fuzz pedal you know like you said you have to find somebody who wants it you have to you have to find there always has to be someone who wants it so you can again you can make these moves and i think that we saw with this one there are a lot of bliss factories for sale on reverb and i think a lot of people bought them specifically just because they thought they were gonna be able to flip it and make a bunch of money on it yeah so i mean i guess to go back to your original question or idea and i don't even know if this is because we went a little down the the rabbit hole but uh no i would not personally buy a guitar as an investment unless Mm -hmm. it was like insanely cheap you know unless it was more than 50 percent off what i think it's actually worth at this time so you've got sort of a mental i've got a mental threshold in my own mind what and and one other thing that i think is sort of unsaid but could be said with all forms of buying investing whatever it is it might not feel like an investment if you have a certain amount of money beyond that that you feel okay spending where it's like well if is it ten thousand if if something's ten thousand dollars does it need to be an investment at that point if it's a thousand dollars you know what i mean like it's the way that your mind sort of mentally assigns these dollars that you have access to at a certain, I think we all have a certain threshold where it's like, yeah, I'll play with this a little, little bit because yeah. I think it's a good deal or something. Yeah. But then there's a, there is a larger number that we all have where it's like, well, that needs to be like my future or some sort of like safety net or nest oh, yeah. egg or something like that no, that, you, yeah. that you have to. I mean, look, take I, care of. I have a friend that you know also, and he's got an uh, an entire storage locker full of gear. Yeah, and you know, I think. In his mind, he bought that stuff as somewhat of an investment because mm-hmm. I think he knows one day he can give it to his daughter or sell it before he passes away or whatever it is and you know make the cash. Um, but but all of those things were purchased at the time when they were you could not you could not see that price today because it was so totally. cheap. So in a way, I think it would have been smart to buy something in the eighties or nineties and then be like, yeah, sell it now if you have the time and energy and motivation to actually sell it. That's the other oh, thing is well, you have to you have to sell it, and that takes time dude, and or motivation, and energy, and people just don't want to sell that shit sometimes. Ex- you know? And you develop sentimental attachments. I mean, as well I talked to this guy; tools. he's got six pedal boards, and I'm like, why don't you? S-? And he's bitching about how he like doesn't have any money because he's looking for a job. And I'm like, why don't you sell some of this so, shit, dude? Ah, uh, pedal board. You're insane. You've got like twenty five thousand dollars worth of pedals right here. This is crazy. So, um, yeah, man, I uh, I think that's a great topic, dude. What do you think about it? I mean, you didn't really give me uh, your opinions on it. I think my opinion is that it comes down to the utility most of the time. Like for, for me to, I don't, I, I, well, I guess I'll just say, I don't see any of my gear as an investment. I, one of the things is that as I've looked through this list and talked about it a little bit is that one of the things you have to be an expert truly to ever make money unless you get like lucky, of course, but that's just like, you have to really understand the things that are being bought and sold. And so I will say that the things that I have and I, that I have bought and sold, almost 100% of them I can get it the very least the amount that I paid for it but usually more to significantly more out of them if I were to sell them probably not going to sell most of it and so I never yeah it's it's I have a lot of money tied up in music here, but I wouldn't say I have a lot of money invested in music here I could usually I can get most of it back out quickly if yeah. I needed to right but I no, it's not. It's always been. It's just something I've wanted. It's I yeah. I've never, I never bought an amp thing like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna totally like I'm gonna sell flip, this in ten years that for ten years. It's yeah, like no. I buy old stuff. It's cool stuff, but it's because I think it sounds good yeah. and I want to and I want. But you're also not gonna pay cool. top dollar for something like for that SVT for what you paid no. for it. You're not gonna pay for what it's worth actually on the street. No, no, I, I never. 
and that's part of knowing the market, I guess, and yeah. understanding is yeah, being able to strike, have a certain amount of money like set aside that you can jump on something if it is a good enough deal. But it's always been a good enough deal for me no, to then know that like, okay, I'm gonna love this and use it because I, yeah. it's again only an investment if you can sell it. So like, if you're not gonna sell it, it's just like a sunk cost. Well, that's kind of what I'm going back to originally was I was saying like, you know, so so someone like us, we know what we're we know what we're paying for, we know we're gonna use it. We know we can sell it for at least what we paid or more. Mm-hmm. Um, but for somebody who, no, I wouldn't say to like my friend who has a bunch of money and he's like, what should I put my money into? I wouldn't be like, buy some old guitars. No way. No way, dude. Definitely not. No way. I mean, it, like I said, if, if something came up for a 50% off value in my head of what I thought something was worth, I'd be like, hey, man, you should buy that because, you know, that is worth already more money than what they're asking for right now today. Yeah, but then even again, there's always these examples like the Chase Bliss pedal. Where when I bought it, theoretically, I should have been able to make been able to make money on it right yeah. away. But if like right away, I think everyone had the same idea with that. Thing. Wow, how you many know? did they make? Was it super limited? I think they made. I don't remember. I think it was a thousand and then a thousand. So that's really interesting to me because like I I feel like right now you can get more money for any for all your gear just because of this bubble. Check it out. Yeah, like I will. I can't remember exactly how much I paid, but it was like for around four hundred bucks. So if and you went on all, reverb right now, they're, they're all right just, around huh? four hundred bucks. Interesting. That's and then interesting. again, like if you sold it for that on reverb, you're gonna make less than you paid for it. Yeah. Which is I guess part of the reason that I decided like I I am not really actively using it, but I wouldn't sell it because yeah. if I did, I would lose money on it anyways. You know what are worth a lot of money right now, and it's pissing me off. What those Digitech? Um, it's, it's specifically the Digitech like synth pedal. It's green. Oh yeah, dude, they're like two hundred and fifty dollars. I paid eighty nine dollars for mine at a guitar center. I know exactly what you're talking about. In like two thousand five, and I sold it because I just didn't. It was so cheesy sounding. Yeah, and uh, there was so much money now. It's you're talking about Godfather. Let's not forget. I know, dude. Yeah, dude. Those a lot of that stuff is bizarrely it's not even like an 80s one though it's like a early 2000s early 2000s or late 90s yeah the like i think it's just called the synth war yeah uh yeah something synth whatever but it has yeah i have the base i had the base one it's funny you say that too i was actually just looking i feel like you you need an envelope filter that's something you Hmm. you you don't really i guess there's there's a filter on your the micro synth has a bit of an envelope but you can't you can't take out all like the dirt and other stuff that's going on with that thing but if you just a little yeah. I was messing with that thing uh, the other night, actually. I was trying to dial in some new tones on it. New tone boys? It's fun, yeah. It's a fun pedal. It is a fun pedal. It's an intimidating pedal. I Yeah, I, I would never finicky I would never bring it to like a show, you know? Because yeah. it, it's got all those sliders and shit. But it's a great studio pedal, for sure. A great rehearsal pedal. And I would say, just to close the loop, Yeah. how, 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 how many years have you had that thing? Oh, well, uh, my mom bought it for me off eBay. And it's actually a, it's a 90, it's one of the 90s yeah. ones. So investment, I mean, well returned. Uh, yeah. I mean, she probably paid like 150. I think they're worth like 230. It's not like a crazy amount. They are, yeah. those, have, those, those have also gotten up. Mine is slightly broken. Slightly. I think I, what did I do on that? I fixed something on that pedal. Uh, I don't know. There was a switch or something that we needed to fix on there. Well, though. the problem is it's the pow- the actual like switch that engages the pedal. It just kills it. So when you click it, it turns it off. And when you click it, it turns it on. So I have to run it with a separate pedal to turn. No, it on we and fixed off. that. No, it's it's still fucked. I don't think we did. I can bring we it over next something, time. Or, or we fixed it, like the power switch. I know that. I, I, I know I, that we definitely did something. I brought you, that to Avenue N, um, R.I.P. 
And uh, their guy, he go, he fixed it, but he like didn't fix it because it didn't work at all. No, I remember this happening. And then you gave it to me, and then I fixed something on there, so you don't have to use it like that anymore. I'm still using it like that. I don't think you have to. Oh, I gotta. I want to bring it back over. I think what we did. I think literally something's just soldered like in the wrong. No, we fixed that. We did. Yeah. Why am I still using it like that? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, we fixed. We fixed that. Old habits. I know exactly. Yeah, old habits die hard. I'll I think you were out. still doing it in a, in a loop because maybe you had like that and a different pedal. Well, in I have a. Loop a or I'm something. using a um a volume pedal with it because the volume sucks on it. So I'm using uh, one of those Boss Equalizer pedals, but with the boost up. Yeah, which is like the volume like cranked boost, up, and then boost. I can actually adjust the EQ and, and then you EQ it up too. Yeah, it sounds great, but uh, need something more reliable for the uh for the if you play a gig or something, you know, dude, data corruptor. Man, yeah, dude. Pedal's fucking nuts. It's too. It's too. It's that's, if you want something that's predictable, that's not it. Though. Yeah, that's that thing the thing. Is fucking narco, Could you imagine narco. like at a sound like a sound check trying to like dial that in for the show? Oh my god! And then you have to move your board because the other band's gonna go on, and then you end up hitting the knob. And then or your knobsies get all bumpy. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a disaster. Well, dude, that was great. That man. was a great podcast. Absolutely, I'm happy to see you and talking to microphones too, with you. And I love your bulls hat. Thank you, buddy. And your Daredevil pedals T-shirt. And Shout your out Stones Daredevil necklace. pedals. I love your uh, fucking WA with the police's face. Yeah, on I, it. this was. I did this. That's one of my favorite shirts. You won the t-shirt game today, dude. For I, sure. I, I wore it for you, Dave. It's awesome. Because it was a little throwback to like your hunks days. Literally one of my favorite t-shirts ever. And also because it's a little bit, it's still, it still fits, but I'm just feeling a little fat. It so it's like, thanks. I just feel a little fat. So it's like not it's like got a the skinny, good sleeve length too shirt. on it, you know? Yeah, my tattoos are all getting healed Tats up. Well, this good. one's actually, it's really dry. I still got it. Tats looking great. It, but this one's all healed Getting up. all inked up. Going back to the ink. I sh- dude, I it's been a couple weeks. I'm all healed. It's time to do something else. Get some get some more ink in you. All right, buddy. Well, if you made it this far and you're still here with us, go make some music.